0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlets, and swing by Marnie.com, and give me a shout-out, too. Now, let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Hey, everybody, this is Marnie, and welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. We're going to have a speaker training today. Our topic is the speaker's edge, how to locate and land lots of speaking gigs. And that is what every speaker wants to know how to do. During this hour with uh, our guest today, Ken Lazat, we are going to discover how to get our ducks in a row, uh, why we should focus on opportunities instead of on keynotes, why authoring a book is a must. How to drive event planners your way, Ken's secret trick for reducing time spent on formal speaking proposals, how to leverage relationships to attract speaking opportunities, how pro bono speaking can lead to paid uh, opportunities, your keys to delivering knock-it-out-of-the-park presentations, and how to maximize your engagement they lead to more bookings. Ken Lizotte is um, a CMC. He is the author of seven books, including his latest, The Speaker's Edge. He is the founder of Emerson Consulting Group in Concord, Massachusetts, and he transforms business experts and companies into thought leaders. And in fact, that is the name of his website as well, www.thoughtleading.com. Welcome to you, Ken. It's so great to have you here today.
2: Well, thank you, Marnie. It's an honor to finally be one of your friends.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. I've got all these (laughs) friends all over the place, and I can't wait to meet everybody face-to-face and (laughs) shake hands and uh, sit down together. But you know what? The Internet has made the world a small place. Ken, right now I'm sitting in northern Minnesota on the Canadian border uh, in the middle of nowhere and uh, reaching out to all of you guys. And it's so fun that the Internet has made all this possible. When I was right. doing your introduction, I mentioned that you are a CMC, and I wanted to clarify that for everybody. That's a certified management. And exactly. uh, tell us what that actually means, Ken. What is that?
2: Well, it's a designation of a uh, professional organization for consultants called the Institute of Management Consulting. And uh, it it uh, it shows that you've gone through a fairly rigorous examination to see that you're professional and that you're ethical. So that's uh, there okay. aren't, there aren't I mean, all that many that have that one of those, but it's an important. It's important okay. to me.
1: All right. I like your other title, which is a CIO, which stands for Chief Imaginative Officer. That is a rocket yeah. title. I love that.
2: <laughs> Thank you. I want Thank one you. of those titles. <laughs> Keeps reminding and me what I need are- to be doing.
1: That's right. Keep the imagination going. And then if you guys aren't still convinced that he's the guy you want to listen to today... He is also the CEO of clubs. uh, He speaks regularly at the CEO Club of Boston Harvard University National Speakers Association and Concord Festival of Authors, just to name a few. Ken, you have got quite a lineup for us today, and I want to dive right into this information. And it's kind of interesting because you do start at the beginning. You talk about how to get our ducks in a row. So go ahead and take it away. Tell us, what are our ducks and what row do they need to be in?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I actually thought to write this book because I felt that I always wanted to be able to read a book like this, which, which is uh, not mm-hmm. focusing so much on how to be a pre- great presenter, although there's a little bit in that, uh, of that in there, but how to actually find speaking engagements and how to keep finding them. So when I sat down to have actually write it, it occurred to me I better start from the beginning. I mean, what, what did I need to know, for example, in terms of setting myself up for mm-hmm. this to do it right? And that's what I call ducks in a row. So one of the first chapters uh, focuses on on, uh, what I determined were very important um, for setting up the basics. And um, there's a a lot. I won't go through it all because there's a lot in in this chapter. But I'll highlight a few things that I think are particularly important. And that might seem like common sense, but uh, not everybody thinks to do it. Uh, For example, the first one would be to have a speaking topics list. Now, um, people may think that they can speak on anything or they may have a lot of things in their head that they can speak on or they think they can speak on, but it's really important to have a list with a speaking topics title and a little blurb, at least a little blurb, so that you're able to pitch yourself and you're able to, to answer the question quickly, if you should be asked by an event planner, what do you speak on? and be able to uh, follow that up with some in-depth information. So a speaking topics list is really important. And um, the other thing, another thing might be a uh, speaker sheet or at least a, a uh, speaker uh, web page. And it used to be for a lot of, of uh, you listeners who have been around the speaking circuit for a long time before we had the internet, uh, we, we had these things called speaker sheets, and uh, they're, they're very uh, just comprehensive one-page sheets on, w- again, what your topics are and what your background is and your credentials and, uh, and everything that you should need to know. That, that's probably better done on a, on a website nowadays, just on a page on a website, so you can, uh, you can spin that out and print that out if you need to, but mostly you're going to send that as a link so uh, speaker uh, speaker sheet or speaker website page is really important uh, A third thing is is to have your website geared to the fact that you're a speaker. A lot of people hide or bury the fact that they're speakers um, maybe it's part of a menu or one of those tabs, and you know it's not really that prominent, but if you really want to do a lot of speaking engagements, make it prominent, make it clear that that's one of the things or or that's the main thing that you do. Get it up there on the home page in some way that it's highlighted and, uh, and, and direct your visitors uh, toward your, your speaker uh, page or speaker sheet. Um, a fourth thing I'll, I'll say is uh, to put your intro together. Um, a lot of times the intro can be very sloppy if you haven't got one that you've crafted to hand over to the uh, event planner or, or whoever is going to introduce you when you go to speak so to put together the intro that you want your your introducer to to say and to hit all the right points, that's that's a duck to have in the row. And the last thing I'll say again, it's not the last thing in the chapter, but the last thing I'll say is to have a video. It's just so important nowadays to have some kind of a video. Even if you don't have a a, a wild and crazy video where you're in front of a crowd that's just loving you and loving you and standing ovations and all of that. Even if you don't have that, even if you just have yourself uh, speaking to a camera one-on-one, uh something that gets the the feeling across of who you are and how you present yourself. Uh, event planners look for that. If they don't see it, oh, they might still go go forward with you, but it's it's just another uh, duck again to have in your row. Mm,
1: those are awesome. Those are awesome. And I think when it comes to like your intro, your one sheet, your content for that, your topics and your titles and your blurbs and all that, those are also all highly search engine friendly. And uh, that helps you get found as well as having you be ready. It helps you actually get found. So those things are also important for that. Yeah, I love it. And the video, you know, I used to say, I used to say, you know, now it's as important to have a www.yourname.com as it is to have a telephone number. But now it's mm. as important to have a video as it is to have any other kind of, you know, audio or written information about yourself. It's just critical. And there's, it, there's really um, – it's not like it's drop-dead easy to make a video. Because there's, you know, some issues that come up with lighting or different things like that. But the reality is that anybody can make one now. You don't have to spend ten thousand dollars oh, yeah. to have a video made. You know, it's doable, and every planner knows it. So it's really right important. On, right, I love yeah, that. right
2: on your, right on your cell phone. It, it it can be done very very well. So there's not an excuse for not having them anymore.
1: Yeah, that's great you wanted us to think about the difference between um focusing on opportunities and focusing on keynotes and i'm curious to hear what you're going to say here because uh there's a, there's a big difference there and so what is what is your perspective
2: well i think that sometimes people get hung up on uh keynotes like it, it's got to be the keynote or else um i'm i'm kind of failing here i'm not really getting uh in the spotlight enough but you know there are so many conferences and so many events um where speakers are being sought that there 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 can only be one or maybe two uh, keynotes in, in any any large event and you can do just as well especially if, if you've got a topic that's going to pull a crowd and uh may not be the full crowd of a, of a conference but you know it's an opportunity to get in front of the right people and if you're you're looking for a paid uh engagement uh, if it's strong enough, then you may be able to get paid as well. But uh, the, there's the the keynote, the fixation on the keynote, I think, is a big mistake. Um, a, a reason why, another reason why it's a, it's kind of a big mistake is that if your purpose, uh, as as mine has been for the last oh ten fifteen years, for example, where I have not cared personally as much about uh uh being having a paid engagement as as much as I've been interested in getting in front of a target audience that represents my mm-hmm. target market and that I'm going to end up with consulting work as a result of that uh, or training or something like that. That might be something that's not going to work for a keynote address, but it is going to work for a, a breakout session. And I am just as happy if I do a breakout session of, let's say, 50 people versus 500, but I am going to get out of that two or three or four consulting assignments that's going to perhaps uh, run to you know, six figures or something. So don't get feeling that you have to always be the keynote. It's really important to know there are so many other opportunities out there to speak.
1: I love that. And it's super important that you don't think that you need to start out being the keynoter because that's really unfair to the groups that are considering, you know, bringing in someone. If that's the only thing you're considering, you just – won't be able to be at that level for a while um, where a planner would, would consider you for that, and then you, they can't consider you for anything. So it's really right. sad that's, that way. I mean, yeah, the it, thing that's, yeah, you got to pay your dues,
0: really
1: too. Them. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you do. Exactly. You have to pay and, your dues. It, it is important, and you actually are going to get better. Every time you speak, you're going to learn something. You're going to experience something new. You're going to have a, a different way that you'll do it the next time that makes you a better speaker. And that's really what they're exactly. looking for in the keynotes, as well as in, as we're going to talk about it in a couple minutes here, as well as you know the notoriety. that That's so important as well. But one of the things that's really awesome about workshops or breakouts or things like that that aren't necessarily the keynote is that you do have the opportunity to include a question and answer session in those. Most of those allow that. And I don't know if for you, Ken, but a lot of people after my workshops, they say the question and answer period was my favorite, or they say I got so much out of just hearing other people's questions and your answers. And it it actually brings it very personalized down to that specific group. Uh, whereas a keynote, you are, again, careful who you're speaking to and pre- preparing it that way. But it's just a little different when they get to ask questions. What is your thought there?
2: <clears throat> well, I tell you, even as a speaker, I, I tend to prefer the, the Q&A period as well, not because I don't enjoy the, uh, the more formalized uh, speaking um, uh, deliver, uh, presentation, But there's something about the spontaneity of that uh, and the give and take that I find enjoyable as well. So I think, yeah, I think it it tends to bring the whole group in the room together in a way that uh, really sets the stage for the speaker to be able, and we'll talk about this at the end, to be able to maximize uh, their engagement. Uh, so that it, it's not just uh, a one-time, you know, one-hour, let's say, or one and a half-hour uh, speaking engagement, but it's something that creates relationships ongoing that help not only the speaker but the the uh, those in the audience as well.
1: <laughs> Another advantage that I really love in that section—I wasn't thinking about it earlier, but just now I was thinking. Uh, a lot of times, what happens in the Q and A is someone will ask you a question. That's on topic, but the answer is too long for how much time you have. And they really do help you to sell your books or whatever it is that you can go much more into detail with that, with people. You give them the short version of the answer, and just like you did earlier, you know, with the ducks in a row, you say, yeah, we don't have time here to go through all this. And it's not a cop-out or a sales pitch. It's just legit. You simply don't have that much time. So it helps the audience to help sell your product, too. Well, this is Marnie Sledberg. We're visiting today with our guest, Ken. Lazat of thoughtleaders.com or thoughtleading.com. We're going to come right back and talk about why offering a book is a much must and how to drive event planners your way. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we are visiting today with our wonderful guest, Ken Lazot of Thoughtleading.com. Ken, before the break, we were talking about um, opportunities and sharing with people, and one of the things that uh, you say is that offering a book is a must, and back to kind of like having a video is critical. This is almost becoming—it's um, almost becoming a business card at this point,
2: right? Exactly. And that's, that is what a, what a book re- represents, especially for a speaker or a consultant, uh, someone that is look, is, is, uh, sees the book as credibility as opposed to uh, an author of some kind that in and of hi- itself that the book is really the whole whole life or the whole uh, 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 business model for the author of the book. What I'm saying here is that uh, just like what you just referenced the, the video, uh, a book is something that event planners look for, um, and I have to say, on the heels of what we discussed before the break, um, for if you really are focused on keynotes, you know, getting there one day, or or you're already there, uh, you'll probably uh, appreciate that getting there uh, without having a book is is a tough thing to do. It's not impossible, but it's tougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when I interviewed people for the book, or rather, event planners for the book. Uh, one of them in particular told me it wasn't so much that he always expected his speakers to have a book, but he always liked it when a speaker uh, was proposed who had a book because he could then flip right over to Amazon. He could he could just in the first couple of paragraphs about the book, he would know what the speaker was going to be talking about. So it made it easy for the event planner. And... uh and that that sort of starts to carry into the next topic. You know, when we get there, how to drive event planners your way. This event planner told me a book is a really uh, significant tool for him to choose speakers. But of course, there are the other other uh, situations in which it's 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 ninety nine percent, if not a hundred percent, mandatory that um, a high level speaker be uh, an author as well. So there's also this business of credibility that. Just no one else has if, if they don't have a book.
1: Yeah. I think I, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with a guest, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. To me, when I'm booking even a guest for this show, the reality that they've taken the time to put their thoughts down in such a uh, logical, progressive way that's easy for every reader to uh, to absorb makes me know that they're going to be able to communicate to my audience cohesively, Mm, true. it's much more of a risk for me to bring someone on who hasn't even thought their material through enough to write it down in a book, right? Right. Right. I mean, and maybe they have, but did you hear my perception there? The perception is that if you haven't written the book, you haven't done the work of writing a book. So maybe you've got all of this information in your head, but because it's not in a book, you don't get any credit for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so the book, is, also, the book just
2: adds a lot of credibility. It also, um, if you don't have a book and you've been around for a number of years and you've got a certain level of expertise, it becomes a little bit like the way we handle somebody who, who doesn't, the very few anyway, who don't have a website at all. You kind of say to yourself, why? Why not? Why isn't there a website? Right. And with a book, uh, again, if you're a high-level expert, there's a part of me, maybe I'm just more conscious because I, I, I've i published books of my own and I I help people publish books, but maybe I'm more conscious of it. But when I see somebody who's been around for a number of years and clearly knows his or her stuff and doesn't have a book, I go, why not? <laughs> so there's yeah. is, is right. that you want to right. avoid as well.
1: Right. And then, of course, there's the most obvious uh, advantage to having a book if it becomes a bestseller then everybody is calling you to book you. <laughs> they don't well, you have to worry about it. You just are on you're just on on the way to bookings. And that's what I had right. my very first book that came out that was such a surprise for me. It came out it was doing well and people were calling me, Will you come speak? Will you come yeah. speak? And it's like that's every that's every speaker's dream is to have yeah. that kind of a successful book. It doesn't happen all the time and even if that doesn't happen, it's okay because you've got your book and you can actually help planners realize that you're the one that they want to invite. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, how to drive event planners your way. One of the things I want to include here, and a lot of you guys are already over, uh, if you're a Christian woman speaker, you're over at womenspeakers.com. If you're listening and you are you need to check that out. Because from my perspective, Ken, the number one way, is to be their best friend because then of course they want to book you. <laughs> then the second way yeah. is yeah. to be the best friend of their best friend because um, then they can tell your your friend can tell them about you. And then the third way is to have a book that they've read and loved and that's so great. But the fourth way, from my perspective, is for them to find you online. They're searching for your topic, your area of expertise or someone in their area, and you happen to live there. And that's where uh, the site that I host, womenspeakers.com, really makes that, that, that fourth one, it really makes it a no-brainer for the planners who are coming to look for a speaker and can easily, through Google or any search engine, find them at womenspeakers.com. So having said all that, uh, go ahead with your thoughts on driving event planners your way.
2: So, Marnie, what I want to do is pretty much echo what you just said because uh you, okay. you uh, how did you know that i had these notes written down uh
0: yeah, i don't know they're <laughs> almost
2: exactly what you what you just said there's two real uh pieces to what you what you just outlined and the first is to make it easy for the for the event planner um don't be a prima donna for example don't be um expecting you know all sorts of uh, uh drinks available and uh you know, a box of chocolates in the hotel room that they're putting that they're they're paying for for you, or whatever it might be. You know, that's what event planners told me when I researched the book. That some of them just drive them crazy, and not just the planner, by the way. I'm I'm sorry, not just the speaker, by the way, but if the speaker is represented by somebody, whether that's a speaker's bureau or if it's a, an assistant, um, those people, those representatives, have to be told or Co- or, or coached or something, not to not to be difficult to event planners. Return event planners' calls, for example. Send the information that they ask for in in a timely manner. You know, th- again, it's like common sense. But event planners say that there are a lot of speakers that don't do that, so it makes it hard uh, to think that they're gonna they're gonna come your way. They're they're more likely gonna say, I, I don't want to work with this person again. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing is you raise a good point when you say that your your book could become either a bestseller or a very big seller. And um, while that is a difficult thing to happen, because most books don't go in that direction, um, if it should happen to you or, or if it should simply be that your book is out on the Internet enough, or promo- that's promotion by you usually, by the way, not by... Somebody else, or the publisher, or whatever,
0: <laughs> yep. and
2: you get you get you get it out there so that ev- just as what you described, the event planners are looking at a, for a certain topic. Let's say you come up because you've got a book, and you've maybe you've done some media interviews, and you know different things that show up on the internet, and uh, and and so that drives the event planner to your website. And if you've got that website page I described earlier, then uh, and the video and your ducks in a row, then it all starts to work out.
1: <laughs> the spin is spinning.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: the one thing you said, too, I, I've, had, I've had so many event planners tell me you're so easy, you're so easy to host. Marty, yeah, you just good. have no idea what speakers put us through. And I'm like, yeah. so sad because the reality is that planners talk to other planners. If mm. you're if you're difficult, they they aren't ever going to mention you to somebody else as someone they want to have. You know, right. I mean, you just right. shoot yourself right. in the foot right. by being that way, you know, and you don't need mm-hmm. it. it. It's really not necessary. I mean, don't look at it as a vacation.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> right? exactly. Right. It's <laughs> supposed to be work. Yeah. I mean, you can have go fun serve at work, them. but go it's supposed serve to be work. Them.
1: Right, go serve them. Right, have fun, yeah, but go exactly. serve them. Help them fold yep. the help them fold the stuff they haven't got done at the last minute because the printer broke down. You know what I mean? Just be there for them. That's the yep. best way because, and, and truly, honestly, if you are a speaker, what you're there doing is you're sharing. That's what you came to do. You came to share knowledge and information or motivation or whatever it is, but you also can share you. Share, share a little bit of yourself with the with the leadership
2: team. I'd add one thing to what we both have said, and that's gratitude. Have some gratitude yeah. to the fact that, number one, you were selected to come there. Among all of many, I'm sure, that, that, that were competing for that slot, they selected you. And secondly, whether it's event planner or an assistant or whatever that's been assigned to you, they're there to help you. So have some gratitude for that and show it back by not making life tough for them.
1: I love it, love it. We're going to take a little break and come back and talk about Ken's secret trick for reducing time spent on speaking proposals. And if you haven't given your speaking proposal very much thought, this is a great time to tune in. And of course, Ken's website is thoughtleading.com, and his new book is The Speaker's Edge. Don't go away. We're going to come right back. There's a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marni.com. That's www.marni.com. Welcome back. We're having fun today talking about how to locate and land lots of speaking gigs with our special guest today, Ken Lizotte of thoughtleading.com. Ken, let's talk. You actually have a trick for reducing time spent on formal speaking proposals, but before you share that with us, what is the role of a formal speaking proposal?
2: Okay, uh, well, what I mean by a formal speaking proposal is – uh, when you uh, want to propose yourself for a conference or some other event, particularly at some sort of national conference, uh, and and, uh, and they have their own uh, speaking proposal, uh, you know, online form for you to fill out. Uh, when I started uh, proposing myself uh, in this way, I saw that uh, they're all different. It's not like one form that's consistent and uniform and it could be annoying for one thing and it could be um, uh, confusing because sometimes the language is the same they might say learning points on one of them, one of them and teaching points on the other and uh, um, unique uh, um, uh, speaking point values or something I mean it's all it can be different terminology so uh, again, we go back to uh, our early discussion about getting your ducks in a row, and, and uh, one addition to that chapter that I hadn't mentioned uh, that I thought of later, and that's this is what the trick is, is to create what I call a, a speaker info sheet. And I have that in the chapter so that anyone wants to copy it, they can. But the idea is to get all the information that you would need uh, for virtually any type of of um, proposal, uh, online proposal, so that you're able to to uh, copy and paste that, or at least to be able to refer to it in one place and make it a lot easier and, and make that whole process be uh, go faster and uh, be less aggravating because <laughs> it can be very aggravating. So. Um, to give you a few samples of the questions that I have on on the speaker sheet. Obviously, it's the the basic stuff uh, that you would know, uh, your name and your company name and all of that. Um, But um, uh, you'd also uh, have a a link, perhaps, to your Amazon page that lists your book. Sometimes they ask for that. Um, And uh, uh, questions like the number of gigs you do a year or the typical size of your audience. Uh, There's even... um, one uh, really only one or two proposal uh, online proposal forms out of oh maybe 50 that I I came across uh this question what type of laptop will you be connecting to the sponsor's projector <laughs> well i guess you you'd know the answer to that you know but it, it's kind of like uh okay i i i, I want to be ready for that maybe i don't know if you'd have a mac and a pc or something and you don't know you know, you know which one you're going to bring something along those lines, but just to sort of have everything ready. What's the nickname you want for your badge? And what are the specific professional associations you would mm. like to speak at? And it goes, it, it sort of goes on and on and on. So that's, that's my, that's been my trick. And it, it helps cut down the time and the aggravation for uh, making, proposing yourself in that way.
1: That's so amazing. Just today in the Marnie Minute weekly e zine that uh, I send out every week, the the product that I was featuring was a a little free e-book that I give out called Same Social Networking Success in 15 Minutes a Day. And that's actually one of the things I have people do in there is write down all the answers to all the questions. They're going to get asked at all these different social media sites that they will eventually be Either you yeah. can and I, I just am not I'm a firm believer in that we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You know, mm. there's so many of these things. That once you do the work, just just roll with it, you know, don't don't just keep having to do it over and over and over. And so I love this idea for speaker proposals. That is brilliant and that is um super useful and I I'm so curious I gotta get this I gotta get this uh list out of your book too get your book and get the list out of it and get all of those things in one place Such such a good right. idea right. the other thing is you guys i think the other thing too is if you don't know what to put on your speaker page at your website a list like this would be so helpful because honestly they need this information right away when uh when gals are coming when gals are coming to womenspeakers.com and they're writing their About section, I can't even tell you what the diversity is. It's just tremendously huge, all the way from I'd love to come speak to you, period, and, and all the way to, you know, a two-long page, you know, life history. But what, what they really need in that section is they need your short bio followed by Mm -hmm. anything personal you want to say. But give them the intro that they're going to use. Ken, when you sent me your information, you had a 30-word intro here that I could use and that I would know that every listener could say, okay, I think I can trust this person to be a good person to listen to for an hour. That's what Mm -hmm. every event planner wants from a speaker. And they don't want to have to dig. I've even had guests on that. I've had to dig for such a long time to find where their bio is. How am I going to introduce right. this person? It's not really well, fair. The, it's not fair to the event yeah. planner.
2: Well, the, the, also what i would seen in um, uh, pr- these proposal forums uh, is that there are different lengths that they would ask for in terms of, for example, your bio um, or, or your topic uh, blurb or something like that. Uh, the, the, so I created um, a 30-word, uh, the one I sent you, Uh, bio Mm -hmm. but there's also um, a 50 word there's a 100 word and there's a 300 word (laughs) because sometimes they ask for that they want they want a lot more so you know this just helps you be ready for everything
1: absolutely and actually actually to be on Marnie's friends, you had to send in your 30 and your full you know that's what we require so all Hmm. of these different organizations you're going to work with there's requirements that they already have, and you can't say, well, I usually don't do that. I'll just send them what I have. You really have to work it up. So like you say, I might as well just have it all in one place and ready to copy and paste for the next one. You know, and you can always – the other thing is you can always tweak a copy and paste template and make it personal if that's what's right. necessary in the in the job, you know, put something else at the well, top. Well, that's what, I'm tra- you know, that's what I was trying to get
2: for. at. That's what I was yeah. trying to get at with the info sheet was so that you – because you would be tempted if you're supposed to getting tired and you're getting – Getting as they say annoyed with the, the <laughs> difference in this this form versus that. Um, to uh, alleviate that or prevent that, if you've got it, to, you, you've got each particular thing you need to just copy and paste. Then you're li- you're likely to give them what they ask for and make it easy for them.
1: Absolutely, and it's so easy to tweak it. So, for example, for me, I speak at Christian women's events. I speak at Chamber of Commerces. I speak at libraries, I speak at all kinds of mm. different places, and I just change the order of where things mm. appear in my bio in order to make sure that the person receiving the bio and the person listening, if I get introduced with that bio, um, are, are hearing the most important things to them first.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's what you want to be able to do.
1: So that's kind of relationship right there. You're, you're kind of paying attention to what the other person needs. Uh, giving it to them in the way that they need it so that it's the most useful and most comforting to them. Uh, you also have some tips you're going to help us with for leveraging relationships to attract speaking opportunities. Go ahead and share your thoughts on that.
2: Sure. Okay. So um, so we have relationships all around us, but we don't always think about how we can use them. Um one of the uh, i I mentioned earlier that it's important with your, in your website uh, on your website to um, let people know that you're a speaker and that that's something that you want to um, do and do more of uh, it so it's important to do that on your website but also uh, with uh, those those people you know and the various ways that you can communicate with them um, I have an email list for example that I try to grow and Uh, when I go out and speak, I try to get as many uh, business cards and email addresses as I can from my audience so that it will grow uh, from that as well. And and I want to send out from time to time, not every day, but from time to time, something that indicates I'm a speaker to remind uh, whoever's out there that they might want to bring me in. I mean, you don't know who might bring you in, so you need to find a way to get that out there. Uh, or even if you're in a simple like like a one to one uh conversation or lunch, I had a lunch meeting today, and you know it's it, it's it's good to slip it in somehow the conversation even if it's not something that you um that you you met for uh so you could uh, for example slip it into a conversation by saying, yeah, I understand what we're what we're talking about is is pretty interesting because I actually was speaking uh, at a chamber of commerce last week, and that topic came up, and I was kind of interested in that. That's all I need to say to get the word out to my friend that uh, that I am a speaker, or remind my friend that I am a speaker, so that it's you know you're planting that that seed in someone's head. So that's one thing. The second thing is to volunteer. Uh, you might be involved in an organization. Um, you might be. Um, uh, uh, you might be uh, 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 networking uh, or just somehow involved with uh, a group of people, and um, there's an opportunity to either to speak and maybe to be the keynoter of sorts, or even if it 's just to introduce another speaker or to be an MC or something like that, take those opportunities. And that gets you up in front of people. And, and that immediately, you're up in front of people, even as, as, a, as an MC or as, as somebody who's introducing somebody else. You're a speaker at that moment. And that can make a difference. So uh, find a way to get people to see you as a speaker. And that's one way that you, you leverage uh, yourself and, uh, and, and promote yourself in that way.
1: Yeah, so at womenspeakers.com, I'm forever um, matching leads, so we manually match the leads when they come in, and they usually come in looking for a particular speaker, but before we do that, we manually look at it to make sure it's not a scam or something like that, you know, before we forward it and match it. So mm. just today, there were two, who came, two different leads that came through for speakers, and they said something to the effect of in the, in the first part of the, I heard you speak at blank. You know, uh, this is a huge Mm -hmm. way that people find you is they heard you speak or their Mm -hmm. friend heard you speak somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, it's back to that relational piece. And it is hands down. If I know somebody personally and then there's somebody online that I've kind of found or heard of, I'm always going to go with the person I know and trust. Always.
2: Sure. You know, first. Yeah. I tell tell I tell a story in in the book about how I was involved in the same organization that you asked about earlier, where I got the CMC, the Management Consultants Organization. And uh, I I joined the uh, programming committee. Now, the programming committee was scheduled to meet for a breakfast meeting one day. And I showed up, and the president of the chapter showed up, and the president of the – the the leader of the program committee showed up. And there was a fourth – who was a member of the program committee who didn't show up so now there's three of us I'm sitting with the president of the chapter and the um you know the manager of the program committee and myself who was new to the organization and this program uh manager had a huge stack probably was like a foot high of proposals that had been sent to him mm-hmm. that he hadn't gone through yet because there was just so much there and he said I think we should Go through all these together. And uh, the president said, well, you know, there's a lot to go through there. Maybe we should first just topic out, top, talk about topics that we think would bring people in that, that would be good for us to offer. So uh, the program uh, manager said, sure, why don't we do that? So the three of us started talking. And as we talked, a few couple of things came up that that the president would say, Uh, like, for example, book publishing, the president said, well, you know, Ken could speak on that. And I said, sure, I could speak on that. I was sort of meekly saying, because I was new to the organization, I didn't (laughs) want to be grabby about it. But, you know, and then later on, uh, we're talking about some other topic having to do with media. And uh, the president said, you know, Ken could talk on that. So I walked out of that meeting with two speaking engagements, and I hadn't ever Mm -hmm. made a formal proposal so that's the important thing of leveraging your relationships. Be there if nothing else. And um and make sure that you are letting people know that you're a speaker and what your expertise is.
1: I love that. I love that story. And you know, the other thing, the other things that I heard in there too that speakers Speakers are so disappointed. when. So a lot of times the planner will send in maybe uh, four leads at a time. They want to ask about these four speakers, you know, get me in touch with them mm. so I can ask them more questions. Okay, so mm. out of four speakers, maybe they're going to pick one. You know, that's the only mm. opening they have right. is one. You know, and I'll right. sometimes hear from the other three speakers, why didn't they pick me? <laughs> you mm. know, and the, you really have to recognize how many people, Are in their pile. Maybe they had 12 other speakers not from womenspeakers.com that they were also considering, or maybe there was just the four of you. But it doesn't matter. What happened there is I love what you said that the president said, let's narrow this down by using blank criteria. None of those speakers in that pile knew what that criteria was going to be before he said that.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was just leveraging my relationships just by having relationships.
1: Right. And you happen to have some of those areas of expertise. Which was yep. also
2: the yep. imperative
1: there, and yep. so when you're Absolutely. pitching when you're pitching a, a planner, you know you want to be you want to be just as, as honest as you can, give them the best you can, and just recognize they have a hard decision to make, and they're going to pick the best they can, and that's all there is to it. There's nothing wrong with you if they don't pick you. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. <laughs> they just could only right. pick one, and this time it wasn't you. And the other thing I encourage gals to do is when you, get a, when you get a rejection or you don't even make the short list or you don't get into, you know, the final one, just jot down, you know, jot down the date of that event that they were looking at you for. And as soon as that event is over this year, it, within five days, usually within two days, I will send a notification personally to the planner say, you know, I was thinking about you all weekend. How did your event go? I want to just remind you that I'm booking for next year. If you need any help, please keep me in mind. Because that's when she's yes. thinking about it.
2: She's, that's good. What
1: do you
2: think? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. Yeah, yep. It's, it's I'd, really I'd, I'd
0: relational,
2: also, I, yeah. Yeah, I'd also add to that one thing you could do. This is always a long shot, but it does happen. Maybe, let's say, two weeks or ten days before the event, if, you, if it's possible for you to shoot a note to the event planner, to say something kind of in the reverse side of what you're saying, uh, what you've just said, Marnie, which is... Um, you know, sorry, I wasn't able to, you weren't, I don't know how you'd say it, but sorry, I I wasn't Mm -hmm. picked, but hope you have a great event, blah, 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 you know, good luck. Because the reason is, it's always always a possibility that the one they picked could drop out for some reason, could get sick or drop out. And (laughs) then who are they going to replace? As long as they know you're still out there, you might even be number four on that list, but since you're the one that, Put yourself into the game where the other two are, have faded away. You could end up getting a slot at the last minute.
1: I just have to tell you, from being a, I, I like the idea. From being an event planner myself, I know that that week or two before the event, I am so slammed that to mm. get an email like mm. that, I maybe, mm. I maybe couldn't even really, hardly handle that but if i got something in the mail like a cup a, a little tea a special tea bag or a little godiva or something with the same mm-hmm. note now mm-hmm. now you would be forever scared into my heart
0: <laughs>
1: so yeah i think it's a great you know just keep thinking relationship and and again you know we all we all want to be picked even by total strangers but the reality is that people will most often pick their friends so become their best friend. Uh, that is the key here. Uh, how we've been kind of talking about it, but you, you wanted to t- address the subject of how pro bono speaking can lead to paid gigs as well.
2: So there are all sorts of, of strategies and tactics in my book that I was able to either unearth or or or, uh, or had in my own experience. I was actually more surprised than anything when I was writing the book that I had a lot of stories of my own that applied to whatever it was I was discussing in the mm-hmm. book. Um, one, the, the most important advice that I got from a real, real veteran speaker which, which I put near the end of the book because it in a way it sort of sums everything up is to say that the best way the way he put it was uh, after all the, all the innovative tactics and all the smart strategies and all the efficient ways to propose yourself and all of that stuff is over um, the best way to get speaking engagements is to go out and speak Because in the audience, obviously, there's likely to be somebody who would also want to bring you in to speak. And so that means don't uh, turn your nose up at pro bono speaking because you never know who might be in those audiences as well. And I had a personal story where I was once asked to speak at uh, at a diversity conference, uh, whereas I was not really a diversity expert, but the other speakers were diversity experts. The reason why I got the gig was that they had uh people of all sorts uh uh women uh women and and uh, people of color and you know all all sorts of uh uh people so that it was a very diverse uh speaking um schedule but what they didn't have was a white caucasian it was a caucasian male a white male a white guy as i put it <laughs> right.
0: and and so
2: they needed one and this was this was maybe oh two three 2 3 weeks before the event so I he he wasn't going to pay me but he was going to give me very very small uh um uh, transportation uh or rather travel expenses. So I didn't really get paid exactly. Um but I went and I did it and uh and I must tell you that as I did it we're going to talk about knocking it out of the park. I didn't feel like I knocked it out of the park. I didn't feel really confident about what I did, mm-hmm. but I, I but I did kind of muddle through and I, I I think I did fair reasonably well. But the kick of the story is that out of the audience that that day, these this, these two people came up to me and they said, "Oh, thanks for what you did. And it was really good." Of course, I'm thinking, I don't think it was really good, but it was it was really good. They said, "You know, we have an event next month here in Washington D.C. That's where we were, and uh, we have a full schedule. Except we don't have a white guy to speak. Would you be willing to come and speak?" And I said, uh, sure, sure. And then they said, what would be your fee? <laughs> so I I said, well, I'll propose some 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 fees, some options, which I did, and I was able to um, get a paid gig plus transportation just a just a few weeks later. And after that was all over, there were two keynoters that day. I was not one of the keynoters, but I asked the um, the planner later on, a few days later, um, I was just curious how I stacked up in terms of the fee I asked for. And they said to me, well, you, in terms of how much uh, the speakers were paid, you were paid number two on the list. The the number one was one of the keynoters. You were number two. And number three was the other keynoter. And then the others, some of them didn't even get paid, some of the others. And I said, well, how did that happen? And they said, well, you asked for that fee. So right, I got the fee right. and that was I was a paid speaking I was a paid expert on something that between you and me and everybody listening, I didn't think I was much of an expert yet.
1: <laughs> well, it goes back to it goes back to um being in the right place at the right time. And having what yep. they needed, and in this situation, you just needed to be a white male, which I think is awesome, and so yep. glad you that are. Helps. So we're gonna come that right helps. back and talk. <laughs> we're gonna come right back and talk about your keys to delivering a knockout of the park presentation and how to maximize your engagement so they lead to more. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out womenspeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers. Speakers are available to you from every state, Denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at WomenSpeakers.com. That's www.womenSpeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marty, and I do encourage you to go check out womenspeakers.com as well as thoughtleading.com, which is the website of our guest today, Ken LaVotte. Ken, thank you. This hour is flying by. Let's talk about delivering a knock-it-out-of-the-park presentation.
2: Okay. So, um, uh, again, I, I think of this as something that, in the end, doesn't seem like a lot of common sense. Uh, it seems like a lot of common sense, but uh, the, the number one thing, I think, is to speak a lot and to practice and to try things out. Uh, one reason not to, like before the break we were talking about pro bono speaking, one of the things I like to do is kind of the same thing that comedians do, which is go and uh, practice before an audience that. Um, you, you, like in the case of even the the most uh, highly paid and well-known comedians, they'll, they'll go out to a comedy club at 4 a.m. and, and come on unannounced, and they're going to try out their material and, and practice it and see what works and see what doesn't. So I like to go to uh, groups and audiences where it's definitely pro bono and I'm, I'm, I'm not at all likely to uh, get any business from the audience. So they have nothing to lose, and I can try different things. And then I can see what works and what doesn't work. Uh, they're talking about lines here. We're talking about information that you're conveying or, or not conveying, how, how long you go on, how, how short, et cetera. So practice, practice, practice is, is what that's about. The second thing is if you're going to do PowerPoint, and uh, you don't have to do PowerPoint, but if you're going to do PowerPoint, a lot of people complain about PowerPoint that is just deadly dull and boring and impossible to read, and there's too much information on there, and the speaker is um, just doing nothing except droning on and on, uh, reading his or her PowerPoint. Um, I like to have PowerPoint that's fun, that has uh, photos on it, uh, that is, that has uh, sparse language, but... Um, is, uh, is, is maybe fun, funny, or, or gimmicky. And um, uh, if you can develop a PowerPoint that's fun, that's important as well. But the last thing is to know your topic. You know, I told the story before the break about not, not feeling like I really, really knew my, my topic. Uh, it, it still led to a successful outcome. But when you're not sure of your topic and it's new and you haven't practiced it much, uh, and particularly if it's content that's completely new to you, it's very difficult to knock it out of the park. You've, you've, got to, you've, got to have, you've got to finesse it. You've got to get to a point where it comes naturally. I know that when I'm talking about something that I've talked about a lot before and I know inside and out, I can have fun with it. I can be relaxed. I can handle all of the questions at the end, uh, and I can just be at, at one really with the audience. So not getting out of the park really has a lot to do with that, knowing your topic and having practiced uh, your delivery enough so that you're, you're completely natural about it.
1: Wow, I, I can't agree more. And I always say that the number one reason people get afraid of speaking is because they are not comfortable enough with their topic. They feel, <clears throat> uh, they feel like they're going to be exposed for being not as mm. expert as they need to be on mm. the topic. Because honestly, when you're an expert on your topic, the question that you can't answer is not intimidating. It's exciting. Someone asks you a question and you right. don't know the answer about your topic, you're like, wow, yeah. I have actually mm. never thought of mm. that before. I am still going to get the answer to that. And uh, Give me your information afterwards and I'll get it to you. You know what I mean? And you're going to learn something too. So it's the difference between being, being in a test situation and being a yeah. performer on a stage where you're so comfortable, this is your stage. You own this, and you're comfortable there.
2: Right. Exactly. So yeah, yeah the more comfortable yeah. you are, the more you can be yourself. I mean, I've reached a point where if I'm unless I'm uh, unless I've got a topic that really is uh, kind of foreign to me, then I can feel as though a room of even a couple of hundred people are is almost like just having lunch with a friend or two. Because I just put that in my mind, that this we're just in a room together. We're people in a room together. Uh, You've come to hear what I know and what I have to say, but uh, it's not really a judgmental thing of me. It's it's more like I'm going to convey and communicate to you, and then we're going to have questions, and you're going to communicate to me. And that's all. We're just all friends. (laughs) And if you can get to that point, I know once I got to that point, then... I really relaxed and and felt good about being on the stage.
1: Yeah, I call it playing with the space. Play with the space mm-hmm. where where you mm-hmm. don't you don't have the anxiety. Um, you still may have you know you still may have a little adrenaline going, which is always maybe a good thing. But but you don't yeah, have sure. the anxiety that you have when you're talking about a topic that you're really not sure about and you just haven't done it before. And, you know, it's just, it's just way more fun when you're comfortable. So let's just real quickly here, maybe in about one minute or so, maximizing your engagements. I think we've mostly talked about this. Did you have a final thought there?
2: I just think that too many speakers think of this, the engagement as, as a one-time only event. They do nothing to – here you've started a relationship with 50 or 100 or 1,000 people, and then you walk away from it. No more relationship. And what they have to do is find a way to uh, get the contact information usually in the best way is in the form of an e- their email um, given to you. I simply ask for people's business cards even when as I'm beginning, and I ask that they've been sent uh, rather passed up to me, and I tell them i'm going to put you on my email list, and I want you to put me on your email list because this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship, and not enough speakers. Find a way to do that. It could be other things. You could have a raffle of raffle off your book or, or something like that. But find a way to get that information in a way that gives you permission, by the way. And mm-hmm. and right. use that email list. Get it get get things out there on a regular basis that reminds people who you are and what you are and what you have to offer, in particular that you're a speaker.
1: Fantastic. Wow. You have shared such great content here, Ken. Thank you. And if people go over to your website, which is thoughtleading.com, what are they going to find over there?
2: So uh, what I do uh, with my clients is I help them become uh, published uh, authors or writers, that is to say either publishing a book or uh, publishing articles. Those are the two main services that I offer. And that is all in the context of um, becoming a thought leader. My feeling is that there are a lot of things that you can do in order to become a thought leader, speaking being a really important one, by the way, but um, but the most important thing is to get the credibility by publishing your ideas. So our service helps people uh, get their ideas published in the form either of a book or, or articles, uh, depending on what they're interested in. That way they become a thought leader. The, you'll, of course, also find on my homepage... Not only information about uh, The Speaker's Edge, which is also on Amazon, but an earlier book I wrote called The Expert's Edge, which the subtitle is Become the Go-To Authority People Turn to Every Time. And that was a McGraw-Hill book. So you'll find a lot. Come on over.
1: Oh, that's great. Ken, I can't be more grateful to you for coming today. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thanks for having me. I had a good time, and all the way from uh, you're your in, nowhere in Minnesota, and I'm, I'm somewhere here in Concord, <laughs> Massachusetts, outside of Boston, So,
1: <laughs> Well, from nowhere to somewhere, then, you have a wonderful rest of the day. <laughs> and thank you all for being here today. It's so great to share this hour with you every week, and thank you for those who come live to our Blog Talk Radio uh, show. And for those of you who host the show on your stations and sites, thank you. If you want to do that, it's super Super easy. Just go to the top of any page and grab the player and put it on your website and share all this great stuff with your friends and followers. And then, of course, to our guests, we're always grateful. And I do encourage you to stop by Ken's site yet today, thoughtleading.com. Finally, I encourage you to stop by Marty.com and check all that out. We have all kinds of good stuff going on all the time. And I love to have you here. Love to see you there. And hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.